the Draft Deeper podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black, as well as my co-host, Cole Miller. Cole, this has been a very exciting week, as it seems to be every single week we have something to talk about, whether it be running down our one and only big boards for the 2021 draft period, or whether it be the start of the G League season. We have the G League Ignite team testing the waters, getting their feet wet, actually doing a little more than getting their feet wet. They are 2-0 and so far in this early season. Uh, we are recording this on Friday, February 12th. We just watched the second game that the G League Ignite team has played. Cole, what have been your thoughts up to this point of the quote-unquote Ignite experiment in general before we start breaking down some of the individual guys on the team how, how what have you thought about the games that they've played already and how the team has fared as a whole well i gotta say it's great that these games are on national tv it's going to give the g league a lot of love especially if they can keep this type of talent on the ignite team or whatever the staple name becomes um but it, it's been impressive to see it happen or to see this team come to fruition like it has uh, in two early games i think it's gone as well as anybody could have hoped for uh, the young kids are fitting with the vets that they've accrued on the team, which is really something, in my opinion, as well. And I, it's just awesome. Um, normally, normally the college season goes where we might lose a kid or two uh, that's high high prospects level due to NCAA allegations or whatever, what have you. Um, this year, we've gotten three along the way. We've gotten Cooper, potentially a lottery-level prospect, and obviously Green and Kaminga now uh, falling into our laps halfway through the season. So that's really not too usual, and it's but but it's awesome. So what have you noticed so far that's caught your eye with the whole process of the G League Ignite? The biggest thing that stood out to me, and it's a point that we're going to get into as we start talking about some of these guys individually, is the opportunity and the room for growth from game to game is much more abundant in the G League than it is in college, for example. Like the the talent gap that these guys are facing on a night-to-night -night basis is so great compared to what some of these other college prospects are facing on their night-to-night -night basis, whether it be they're a high major team who has a game scheduled against maybe like a mid-major or one of those like cupcake games thrown in there versus what their conference schedule actually bears out to be. But even comparing a high major power five conference team to the competition level that these guys are getting to face in the G League, it's a whole different story. We, we, we talk about all of the positives that we can see from some of the international prospects that come over to the NBA, the experience they got playing against grown men every single night, especially guys like Luka Doncic, who was able to play in the top league and quite literally face off against guys who have already made their rounds in the NBA. I mean, from a physical maturity standpoint, from an intellectual standpoint, there is no replacing that kind of experience. So the fact that guys like Jonathan Kaminga and Jalen Green get their test their medal and refine their games and show significant improvement from game to game because of the competition they're facing. You pointed out the fact that it's all happening on national television. So it's not like we miss out on the exposure part of the whole experiment either. These games are being widely broadcast and in turn they're being incredibly talked about already everybody on social media is buzzing about these guys so all in all the experiments working as intended and quite frankly 
I, I think as long as these prospects that we're going to talk about here keep playing up to their potential and keep showing out the way that they are, the wins and the losses, that will kind of speak for itself on its own front. However their record ultimately turns out, it is what it is. But at least from the exposure, the experience, and how much growth we're going to be able to see from them from game one till the end of their playing time in this bubble here, I mean, it, it, it's fascinating, and it's going to be a major selling point to prospects next year who want to take their talents to a, a professional-level league versus going the collegiate routes. I, I think this hurts college basketball a little bit, seeing how successful this has already been. And I know it's only two games, but to me, that that's kind of my takeaway on it, Cole. Do you agree with that to an extent? Yeah, I don't know anybody that's, you know, I don't know have a direct line into the NCAA in college basketball um you know operations per se but i would be shaking my boots seeing how popular this is quickly becoming and it's going to get the average fan that didn't know about the g league into the g league uh in my opinion because it's not like uh, there's been an emphasis on many teams around the league over the last three to five years to get better talent into the g league make it more of a minor league system so the g league ignite team is going against these better teams uh and so that's going to make fans of their team, you know, that much more in, more interested into their G League ignite or G League team because they see this prospect team coming into town. Uh, it's a win-win, I think, for the G League and and basketball players at the pro level. It is, especially since the team is winning, right? Yes. Like starting off two and zero, a win in this G League bubble is a lot more significant and means a lot more than a win at the college ranks. Now you can make the argument, well. If someone's able to have success in the NCAA tournament, a player is able to win a championship, that can be an incredible boon for them. That's a huge confidence boost. That's a large resume builder, depending on the front office that's evaluating or the ownership group that's evaluating. Some owners take more stock in, in the NCAA tournament than others. So that's one aspect. But just in terms of like a regular season win, this certainly means a lot more, at least it does in my eyes. And the, the winning aspect of it, everything that we've already addressed, it makes a college recruiter's life so much harder on mm -hmm. one of these staffs, especially when you're not at a powerhouse like a Duke or a Kentucky or a North Carolina where you can rely on these blue blood histories to sell a prospect saying, hey, if you come here, you can follow in the footsteps of, and then you, you can just rattle off your list of great players. Well, the G League Ignite team is showing that we can lead you to a path of success, to a path of exposure, and those two things are only further amplified when you throw in the fact that guys like Kuminga and Green are making what's reported to be a half a million dollars right. of legal taxable income. <laughs> so there, there really is not a, a major substitute or a major drawback to what we're seeing so far. And I'm glad that this experiment's been put into motion. It gives great exposure to the G League as a whole because now you're having so many fans put eyeballs on something that quite frankly hasn't had the number of eyeballs on it that it should. I know you and I would always talk about off air how, how thrilled we generally are to watch a lot of these G League guys because they're they're good players and players that deserve to have homes in the NBA, whether that be on the end of a bench or in a starting unit even on high-level teams. 
guys like Fred Van Vliet is probably the most household name to our more casual listeners out there. But yeah, it, it's, it's, I, I can't wait to keep watching it. I can't wait to keep evaluating these prospects. And why don't we start off with the guy who has been the ooh and ah prospect the most out of all of them. And that would be Jonathan Kuminga um, listed at six, eight, 205 pounds, very impressive wing prospect from a physicality standpoint. I would argue that while not as refined as a Jalen Brown, that's the kind of trajectory that Kuminga is proving that he's on, whether we like it or not. You want to, you want to look at the Brown comparison further. I'd say that Brown, or at least I would have said that Brown has better playmaking chops to him. He's a lot more gift of a, of a passer. He's obviously a high-level thinker. Uh, mentally, he has a lot more there than you would have thought with Kuminga. But at the same time, now in these first two games, Kuminga's proven that he can process the game at a high enough level where he can make those easy reads. He can make those easy dump-off passes. He's not always looking to score. He's more than willing to give the ball up and make the right play for somebody else. And that's maybe not the easiest selling point to these young guys who came to the G League for any kind of exposure that they can get, maybe feeling that they're one step behind some of these college guys because they haven't been playing in the spotlight for as long as they have already this year. You would think that they would want to come out and just take like 20 shots a game or as many as they can get and prove that they can score the basketball at a high level against good enough competition. And that's going to be their main selling point. Well, yeah, that can be a selling point, but when a guy like Kuminga or a guy like Jalen Green puts the team first and puts winning first and wants to make the right play, I think that speaks more to how high their draft stock can raise, and that's been one of the biggest standouts from a skill standpoint to me already with Kuminga has been that playmaking. The shooting's a work in progress. I'm not in love with the line drive shot, not necessarily that I think he has to change anything major with his release point, but it looks like he's aiming his shot a little too much versus just squaring up his body to the basket and just letting it fly. I think that's something that's going to be improved and, and worked on over time. So I don't see that being a major detriment to his game. The The other thing that, that I've noticed, and then I'll let you give your two cents on Kuminga Cole, is I can't really think of many guys at the NBA level who haven't had to refine their dribbling to a standpoint of, I need to be able to shake a guy in a certain way, pull off this dribble move to be able to get to where I want to go on the court. Maybe somebody like Giannis comes to mind where he hasn't had to work on his dribble that much because of how explosive he is and in turn how long his stride is. Kuminga reminds me of that. Kuminga doesn't have a good handle. He's very right-hand reliant. He, he doesn't necessarily break anybody off or, or, or shift. He's not real shifty or he doesn't change speeds that well. But his one speed combined with how big he is, how long of strides he has, he can quite literally get to the basket whenever he wants. And when he's been able to get there, he's been finishing at an incredibly high level. We had heard reported statistics of how well his finishing was around the basket from the reported scrimmages that the G League Ignite team had. Well, that has translated now into two actual games. So I don't think that's a mirage. I think Kuminga may be one of the best finishers around the basket in the entire draft, certainly for a player his size. So I've kind of given my evaluation a little bit, Cole, my first impressions, and we're going to call them this, first impressions. It's only been two games. We can only say so much. 
But what has really stood out to you, Cole, about Jonathan Kaminga? Yeah, just to piggyback off what you said about his ability to get to the rim, he, he's very good at like lulling, lulling his defender to sleep, and then, I mean, he's gone, and he's at the rim in a second, and he's above the rim in a second too, uh, and he's you know he's looking to dunk on your head. So he's an aggressive finisher. It's really awesome. Um, I don't want to go into too much depth about like every little play we've seen him make over these two games. Everybody's you know had their eyes on on a G League Ignite team over the last seventy two hours. And I don't want to be a dead horse, but the, I think the couple things that I think need to be talked about uh, in terms of maybe not what he did on the court in terms of scoring or defense per se, but just the way he was like ready to go from tip on opening day the other day. I just thought he was able to assimilate himself with the veterans on the squad seamlessly. And I thought that was really impressive and needs to, and like should be accounted for that this 18-year-old kid did not look lost or uncomfortable, like taking charge at times on the court with a group of guys who had been around the block uh, a couple times. Um, and so I think that's really impressive. It says a lot about his mental makeup. Um, agree, agree with you in the sense that his jump shot is a little, uh, a little mechanical and will get better. He's super young and, you know, he's got time to work on it. I think all these kids are benefiting from getting professional help, uh, at the G League level in terms of their jump shot and just some of the nuance to their, the finer points to their game. Um, and one point you made about how, like, you know, kids want to come to the G League so they can get all those possessions and put up points. I almost don't even think they're losing possessions because they get to play with these veterans and it's a little bit more of an NBA style to the game pace um, that they get more possessions than they would in college. And so they have all the opportunity they need to put up 20 plus points a game. And so far they kind of, you know, they are almost doing that if they, if they haven't gotten to 20 in both games. So I think they're not really losing anything at all in terms of that when they come, when they're in the G League. And I don't think players in the future will either because as long as the Ignite team can maintain some level of veteran leadership like this, it's going to be this, you know, very similar NBA style type of game where they're scoring 90 plus points on each side. Um, And it's good to see that it's not even like the typical G League where it's 140 points here and there. Like these are well-contested games. Like they're, you're right. They're learning so much from game to game. And uh, we saw with Kamingo already and we're seeing it with Green settle in. Um, But yeah, I know I, I got carried away there a little bit, but I just wanted to talk about his, his poise, I think more than anything. Uh, Was there one thing besides the obvious skill on the court that stood out to you? No, I, I pretty much hammered home a lot of the points that I wanted to make you nailed a fantastic one, which is his poise, his willingness to come in and carry the team at times at such a young age, but it's not even just about his age. We know he's going to be one of the youngest players taken in this draft, especially amongst his peers in the top five. But when you go back and you actually read a little bit about his backstory and look at where he was moving to the United States He's from the Congo, didn't have much basketball experience before he got here. So he's on the developmental track in terms of how much he's been able to progress during his high school years as someone we've seen like a Joel Embiid come in, not have a a ton of basketball experience before he got to the States. Somebody like that. I mean, that's what makes this more impressive because Joel Embiid had his highlight plays at Kansas, and we knew that there was a lot of potential in him if you were going to take him with a high pick in the draft. But I'm not sure Embiid would have come into this G League experience and been as ready to contribute 
from day one like Kuminga has. Now, you can make the argument that over the course of this G League experiment that Joel Embiid would probably have a higher ceiling for like a greater outcome by the end of it. But just from day one, yeah, I've been really impressed with how Kaminga has carried himself and been able to progress so quickly. But it's really exciting when you get to watch one of these prospects who wasn't like going on these travel tournaments or having all this exposure to high-level basketball at such a young age. We're watching someone who really got their start in their high school days and has now progressed through such a rapid rate that we're talking about a potential top three some people are already getting on the bandwagon and moving him to number one on their boards. I mean, that's a massive development for somebody his age. Yeah, he's been super impressive. The It's warranted, in my opinion. I mean, it's it's really obvious with him. A lot of us are, are good enough at least to see, you know, when you see it like this, you know it. Um, so on top of the skill, he, he wants to do all the little things on the court, and, and Jalen Green does that too. We'll get into him in just a second. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kaminga's, I think he's a special talent. He treated Wednesday, his G League Ignite de- debut, like a playoff game. I thought you could see the intensity uh, on everything he did. Uh, and to me, that's a special type of player. This kid loves basketball, wants to get better, is going to get better. And it's going to be a treat for somebody in the draft. And that sets him apart, right? Like the yeah. one of the main points that people wanted to make and monitor very closely as he played with the rest of the guys around him was at times in his high school days, he kind of drifted, right? He, he was viewed as this Andrew Wiggins-level prospect in terms of talent, but his motor at times also kind of disappeared at, at certain points on offense and, frankly, on defense. But that has not been the Jonathan Kuminga we've seen in the bubble. He has been incredibly engaged. He's been vocal. He's clearly wanted to take a leadership role at least as much as he possibly can and he's gone out there and you said it exactly he's treated these like they're playoff games and he wants to show out and be the number one guy and he's certainly had a co-star at least today he had a co-star mm. in, in Jalen Green someone that we obviously need to talk about as well uh, six listed at 6'5 170 pounds clearly light frame but at the same time he has that it factor he has that level of athleticism and explosiveness that is incredibly rare in a prospect how many guys do we get to evaluate who have that floaty type of athleticism like a zach levine has now like a michael jordan did back in his day like that type of athlete at the guard or the wing position does not come around very often and we're seeing that from jalen green already now, there are certain parts to his game that we can pick apart. If probably his biggest weakness right now, at least in my mind, is his handle. Quite frankly, he doesn't have much of one. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay at times because he's so explosive with his first step that he can get around a lot of defenders. And in turn, that sets him up to either pull up for a nice jump or inside the arc, kind of like we saw him do today it allows him to separate from the defense and maybe step back and even knock in a a three-point shot because I don't think there's really much of anything mechanically wrong with his jumper I think he's perfectly fine shooting from outside and he's comfortable doing so he's comfortable pulling up in those spots they even had him running some pick and roll action maybe not distributing out of those pick and roll sets but at least getting him used to 
operating in those play types. Because if he's going to be a secondary creator, he's going to have to be able to excel in, in, in pick and roll offense. That can't be a weakness of his. So I like that they're exposing him to that very early on in this G League season. But when he does get around that screen, when he does run into the defense, he doesn't have that type of handle to be able to separate himself and he does cough up the ball. You just mentioned ball security. That That's exactly it. It's led to some pretty bad turnovers. But at the same time, we've seen him work in transition. We've seen him work and move off the ball. He put up some exciting alley-oops today because he was able to curl off and then get to the basket so effortlessly and explode, right? Like th- those guys do not grow on trees. So while he does have some weaknesses, well, his body certainly needs to come along, and I'm sure that it will. I don't really see anything wrong with his frame or, or his physical potential. Maybe you can get into that a little bit, Cole. That's 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 your thing. Um, what what have you seen from from Jalen Green? What do you think he needs to work on? And in turn, what have you been excited about through these first two games? Yeah, so I think Green has showed the most progression in game over the over the first two games, and that's probably fair considering where his first quarter started on Wednesday. Um, but I'm going to argue with that in a second when we get to another guy. I think I might I, actually argue with you a little bit about that. But I agree his his second performance was definitely much better than his first. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of the case for a lot of these hyper-athlete prospects that come in. It, it takes them a little bit of a moment to slow things down and just like figure out how their athleticism is going to take over the game. And he's no different. Um, and it's just what separates these guys is how fast it happens for him. And it happened by game two, you know, it started to click real, really good for him by, by the end of today. Um, so I, I've been impressed with just how fast he's been able to slow it down. Um, I, I think he, I think one of the other impressive things is, and this kind of lends its lends to what you were saying about the team getting him exposed to pick and roll is that he shows like, I think he's very willing to learn all the little things he needs to incorporate into his game so that he's not just this one dimensional scorer. And I think that's big because he can obviously, obviously just go get his, but the fact that he wants to incorporate those things will endear him to future teammates and really set him apart and really make him that superstar that he really can be. Um, Don't think there's anything wrong with his jumper that is going to be lethal when he gets his handle shirt up. Uh, I, I think that's going to be like one of his biggest focuses in season right now and going f- and, you know, off season, once he gets there, he'll just be working on drills all, all day where he's getting his hands whacked and just figuring out how to you know better secure the ball. Uh, I think some of it is footwork when he catches the ball and where he's just positioning it. He's just really loose. And I don't think he just understands that right now. He's always been so much quicker than everybody that he's never had to worry about it. Um, as far as his body goes, um, for anybody out there that's seen the movie The Replacements, came out in 2000, uh, football movie, and the kicker from the movie, he always described himself as wiry, like, you know, he's wiry, but I think that's what Jalen Green is, he's wiry, he's not very, he's not going to be lean and, and huge muscular, but he's, he's like sinewy, and he's not going to take any shit once he, you know, really puts on his man strength, and so I think that will help him uh, figure out his ball security and how to better score in the lane. But yeah, he's he's a freak of an athlete, and he's not without fundamentals. And once he really starts to, you know, just learn the fundamentals better and, and some of the nuance, it's just going to be a scary, scary scoring package and a guy who's willing to do all the other things as well. So he's right up there with Kaminga for me. Uh, I don't want people to get down on him just because Kaminga looks so good so soon. He's, he's really good, man, and he can do a lot on the floor. When we talked about him in our top five, of our 
one and only 2021 <laughs> NBA draft big boards. We talked about a guy who might be the most box office prospect in the entire draft, someone who can have the ball in his hands late in the game, go get a bucket, and and be this automatic machine scorer, right? I'm actually glad that at times he's turned away from that and especially today looked to do as much off the ball as he did because, quite frankly, that's how he's going to have to manufacture points when he comes into the league. No team is going to give him the number one score responsibility right away. Not even some of these bad NBA teams that we see because everyone has to earn their lunch in the league, right? Everyone has to get down and dirty at times. They, they got to put in the effort, put in the work. And once they've proven that they can handle some of these more basic play types and concepts, that's when they start getting more put on their plate in terms of individual creation and scoring responsibility. So I like that Shaw hasn't treated him any differently or Kaminga for that matter. He hasn't treated them any differently than how they're going to be treated once they set foot in the NBA. And that to me, that willingness to put in the time to study film, to work, as you described, as we've heard in so many different interviews, if anyone hasn't read Ramona Shelbourne's piece yet on Jalen Green that she put out this week for ESPN, please do. I know it's a long-form piece. Long-form journalism seems to get lost in the weeds nowadays, but mm -hmm. trust me, it's absolutely worth the time to go and read that. I, I shared her Twitter account on social media this week. If you're following us on Twitter at Draft Deeper, please go and read that story because it gives you great insight on the type of G person Jalen Green actually is. And I'm not sure we touched on that enough when we talked about him earlier in, in our re more recent episode of the podcast. But I just wanted to make that known now because you kind of hit on some of those points that, yeah, when, when he figures his quote-unquote man strength out, when he grows into his body, he's not going to take anyone's shit. He's a tough kid. <laughs> he, was, he was clearly raised that way, plays the game that way. He's intense. I don't want to get too much in, into his defense or any of these guys' defense, really, for that matter. I don't think we've seen enough over these two games to, to start making more clear judgments about that area on the floor. But just from what we have seen and then in turn what we can apply on the offensive end, yeah, he's going to go after you. He wants to attack you. He wants to take your lunch money. He wants to do all that stuff. So I, I love what I've seen from Jalen Green. I, I, I love guys who can accept and appreciate where they're at, take that in stride, grow over time, and eventually they are going to see the fruits of their labor. That's going to happen for, for Green as well as Kuminga and these other two guys that we're going to get into. Yeah, no, well said. Uh, I'm really excited to see Kuminga and Green uh, progress throughout the year. I think I made the comment to you jokingly while the game was still going that I wish we could see Kuminga and Green just play at the next level together because they are such a dynamic wing talent, uh, wing tandem, excuse me. And uh, I even think I saw them at one point kind of getting on each other in a good way today. Like, hey, you stole my rebound or something like that. Like, they, they're enjoying, like, the spotlight and the, what it's bringing to their, uh, to their attention. As they should, because you've seen what that kind of dynamic does for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in the NBA. You see what it does for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, two guys who play interchangeable positions. Well, two, two tandems for that matter. But they get along with each other so well, and they figured out how to complement one another through their games. You're already seeing that with Green and Kaminga, as you pointed out, and we're only two games in. So I can only imagine how much better they're going to play off of one another as the season goes on. And in turn, 
how that affects everyone else on the team, even the veterans, right? Like when you have two guys who are as talented as Green and Kaminga are, and they're picking up these higher level games at, at such a fast rate, that makes their lives easier because they don't have to look over their shoulder all the time and say, yo, Rook, why'd you do that dumb thing, right? They don't have to do that with these two guys. They, they're working. They're working very hard. They understand the game and have shown over only two contests that they can process the game at a high enough level to the point where they're not hindrances to their team's success. They're going to be main reasons why they win some of these games that they do in the G League bubble. So that has been very encouraging to see. I agree. I love their dynamic. Who knows? Maybe maybe a team like the Oklahoma City Thunder with all of their bounty of draft picks, who knows? Mm. Maybe they can get like a second top five pick and they can team these guys together in the NBA. We don't know what's going to happen. I no. think that'd be incredibly fun to see those two with, with SGA. Oh my gosh. I, I, I would Basley. be tuning in every single night. Yeah, and Basley. That's athletic. It's fun. It's up and down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, speaking of a guy who you wouldn't think is that athletic or that built for the transition game, yet he's made his mark through these first two contests. I've been really impressed by him. Dacian Nix. Now, he's a guy that we're going to have some more thoughts on next week because he's somebody that I originally had in like that 26 to 30 range on the first edition of my big board. He's he gives me cause to pause because of how big he is and his size at that guard spot. Now on real GM, he's listed at 205 pounds. Six six five is about where he is. That that pretty much grades out with the eyeball test. I've also seen places list him at like 225, 230. Those numbers seem a lot more believable to me than the 205. This man is built, he's thick, he's a damn house, but at the same time. While he's not the most quick twitch or explosive guy, if he gets an open shot at the lane and he gets you on his hip, like you're not doing anything to him. You're not throwing him off course. He has a tight enough handle to the point where you're not easily pickpocketing him. And he's another one of those classic floor general style point guards who always keeps his head up and he's going to make the right play. And some of the touch we've already seen on his passes, whether that be a lob whether it be a quick bounce pass to somebody in the half court, getting them open for an easy look around the rim. Some of the passes he's thrown already have caught me off guard a little bit. Like I knew he was a playmaker coming in and that was really one of the main points that drew a lot of people to having him maybe as like a potential lottery pick was how good he was reported as a playmaker. I didn't know he was this good of a table setter, right? Like he, he has come in and made that second unit as good as the starting unit on this G league Ignite team. And a lot of it has to do with his ability to draw a double team, kick the ball out wherever he needs to go. And then when he gets those one-on-one -on -one opportunities, he's able to get downhill, throw somebody on his hip and, and he's just completely demolishing them. So what are some of the things that have stood out to you Cole about Dacian Nix's game? Has he surprised you caught you off guard? Maybe we should have him a little higher or in higher regard than we thought we were going to. Yeah. He's definitely surprised me a little bit. Uh, just, I think all of us were a little interested in, in how his body would translate to even the G League setting, um, let alone the pro setting next year. But I think it's been just fine. And I think there's a place for him in, in the NBA having and seeing other thicker body guys work uh, in recent history and, and probably going to keep working. Um, he's, his body type's not all that different than Ron Harper Jr. over at Rutgers. So I think he's going to be fine that way. 
Um, I agree with you that he really helped make the second unit pop, uh, especially on Wednesday. Uh, he was able to get downhill very well in that game. Use has a, use a bunch of hesitations. He's got a, a great set of hesitation moves with the ball in his hands. Um, his first step isn't that great, which is why he relies on those hesitations. But I think he gets really low, uh, surprisingly low for a guy his size and his width. Um, and that's going to make it tough for guys to stay in front of him and just uh, eventually he'll learn how to be really savvy with that and just keep guys on his hip and, um, you know, work them to death and get to the rim and, and finish that way. I don't ever see him becoming like a prolific jump shooter, but I think he's, you know, he'll, he'll have to get better and have to be more uh, willing to take some jump shots because I thought today the second unit actually kind of struggled. Uh, they didn't really have somebody that was finding their offense until Todd stepped up late, like super late. But in the third quarter, when OKC started to make their run and Dacian was running the show, I just felt like they didn't have an identity on offense, and he was kind of part of that, um, not looking to try and make something happen on his own right, uh, whether he was unable to or just not sure if it was his time to do so. Uh, that remains to be seen over the course of the rest of the G League season. Um, so I think he, I think I have I have more to learn about him out of most of these guys. I think obviously Todd is kind of like a relative unknown just because of the amount of playing time, but. Still, Dacian needs to prove some things. Um, I don't think his game is super well-rounded offensively, but he's, he's certainly a great playmaker. He's ready for transition basketball, um, and he knows where to be on offense. I don't think he's going to be like a super good cutter from, uh, from the guard spot, but he's not going to just stand still and kill you and dribble in one place um, if, if he's not you know, in tune with his offense that, that night. Um, in, in terms of what you've seen for him, what do you think is his biggest weakness on offense? His biggest weakness to me on offense probably is the work that he has to do with the jump shot. He he proved that he can hit a few pull-up jumpers, at least he did in game one, but this game he didn't look as willing to attack from the outside as he did in game one, so being more comfortable getting himself into those shots and in turn proving he can make them is definitely something he can look to improve upon. Um, another thing that really stood out to me, I know I said I didn't want to get too in-depth with these guys playing defense, but he has fared a lot better on the perimeter defending guys than I initially thought he would. He has better foot speed than I thought he did, so that helps him keep up with some of these more perimeter-oriented matchups. Like we talked, you, you, you mentioned his body isn't all that different from Ron Harper Jr.'s. Ron Harper Jr., in turn, is probably going to play like a 3-4 role in the league. So he's not going to always have to chase somebody around the perimeter constantly. But when Nix has been asked to do that, kind of like how we, we don't really have the best way to explain it for Harper jr. Nix has operated defensively the same way. Like we don't necessarily have a clear explanation as to how he's able to move as well yeah. as he does laterally at his size. But I, I think you mentioned it some, when you were talking about his, his dribble drive game, how he gets so low to the ground, yet he's coordinated and balanced. That's playing to that same type of strength on defense as well. He's able to have maintain a strong center of gravity. He's able to get low in his stance. He's able to keep up with guys when he needs to. And that allows him to be a more perimeter-oriented like point guard than I thought. Like When you look at him, you're like, is this guy better suited to play off the ball as kind of like a secondary playmaker? You can, you can run him off different actions and then get the ball in his hands. But he's proven that he can run around all over the court with the best of them. I, I, I don't know how he's doing it, quite <laughs> frankly, at that size. But he, he, is, he really stood out to me on, on both ends of the floor. 
And yeah, the way he controls the game from a pace standpoint, it's almost like we're watching a, a point guard oriented version of, of Kyle Anderson slow-mo out there. At least that that's kind of my take on it. I mean, all four of these, and again, we're getting to Todd in a second here, but they're all, the one thing they all have in common is I think they're all really smart basketball players. They have exceptional basketball IQs and, and uh, they should, is, might be the best of them, honestly. Um, one, comp, one comp I've been kind of toying, toying with in my head over here uh, over the last couple of minutes, I know he's a little taller, but I just feel like his play style might somewhat uh, form into this come when he gets to the league, but maybe he's just a little bit of taller Andre Miller where he's just going to punish you down low, but just be such a dimer that he can, you know, just eviscerate you from the perimeter as well with a little bit of a hesitation and you know, a couple of dribbles, turn his back and then whoop, you know, there's the dish. What do you think about that? Oh, we, that, that needs to be a part of his game. That's unlocked. That that's not something we've seen a full diet of quite yeah. yet, but him taking smaller guards into the post, bruising and abusing them that that needs to happen we need to see more of that because that that has certainly been a selling point on somebody like Andre Miller we we've seen Jalen Brunson get into that as much as he possibly can in the NBA that was obviously a big calling card of his Mm -hmm. during his college days at Villanova yeah Knicks needs to operate exactly in the same way because he's someone you you don't look at him and and you're giving cause to pause in terms of him being able to hit the right pass with his back to the basket. He still has that vision. He's big enough at 6'5". He can, he can see over smaller matchups when he's taking them down low. You don't have any reservations in terms of him playmaking out of the post. And obviously, he's big enough to bruise and bang and, and have his way down low when it comes to scoring and finishing around the basket. His, his finishing package isn't overly complex, but at the same time, given his size, it doesn't yeah. have to be, right? Yeah. So He goes yeah. right into the guy's chest, and, and he's not afraid to do it. He wants to go blow you up in the chest. Oh, he, he'll knock you back. And even on defense, I, we, we've already seen him uh, blow, blow up a few screen actions because yeah. uh, he's just going to get in there, throw his arms around, and have his way. Mm-hmm. Now, he, there, there's a nuance to doing that that he clearly has because he's not being called for a bunch of fouls on either end of the floor. So that, again, speaks to the basketball IQ that you think he has. I agree. I think he has a really high IQ for a point guard, and that's only going to continue to play out. But that that was expected from him coming in. It was just how he was going to balance some of the shot making that we've alluded to that needs to improve, as well as any physical concerns that we have. It's, it's a scary thought that a guard could potentially eat himself out of the league, similar to what we've seen from some big men. But as of right now, it seems like he has it under control, and if he has it under control, then we've certainly undervalued the kid because his feel for the game, his IQ, his ability to process and in turn make everyone around him better without having to dominate the box store stats, that, yeah, that, that speaks volumes. So I agree. I learned a lot about him so far. Can't wait to learn more and evaluate him. And, and yeah, you mentioned the last guy that I think you and I both needed to learn more about, Isaiah Todd, 6'10", forward listed at 195 pounds. I don't know, may, maybe a little thinner than that, a little lighter than that. At least he looks that way to me. But he's another one of those impressive athletes at his size. Not quite a, a Greg Brown level athlete, but at the same time, and, and Cole, maybe you can speak to this a little bit. I don't think he's that far off for being that level of an athlete. He has looked the part on that G League court. And at times he has looked like the best athlete on the floor, even when you have guys like green, who we talk about his floaty athleticism is so rare, or even Kuminga is, is no slouch of an athlete either. 
but Todd has looked the part getting up and down the court in transition. His foot speed has been incredibly impressive on the defensive end. He's staying with guys. Now, he has a lot to learn when it comes to post-scoring and post-defense. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that he's not this bulky dude growing into his his, his man body quite yet. He, he has a lot to develop in that aspect, but his perimeter-oriented game, his ability to hit jump shots off the catch, I think he's got the best jump shot off the catch uh, uh, out of all four of these guys we're talking about here, to be perfectly honest with you. I Agreed. think Green and Kuminga are probably going to remain higher-level shot makers yep. off the bounce when you throw in everything that comes with that. But just in terms of catching the ball in rhythm and spotting up for an open three, he has he has the best-looking jumper out of all of them. So he he's another guy that, particularly today, he really opened eyes when he was not only catching from deep and knocking him in with consistency, but also when he'd step into like a one or two dribble pull up and then knock something down by the free throw line, like him at that size with that athletic package, that that's a problem. That is absolutely a problem. So um, what impressed you, especially from today, what, what you saw with Todd? Yeah. I mean, just more of what you said, I, I think the defensive end for him probably is definitely the highlight. Uh, in some aspects so far through two games, you alluded to it, the foot speed. Um, I saw one possession a couple times today where he was, you know, bouncing back and forth effortlessly. His lateral ability is so good in the lane that he was just like covering two guys as they were trying to complete a transition play. And, you know, he was thwarting that. So he's, he's, and like you said, with the, the catch and shoot, like, yeah, he's perfect from the corner. I think from a mechanical standpoint, um, you know, high release, really nice touch. It's soft. Uh, it, it, He's a smoother athlete than Greg Brown. I agree he's not far off. I just think he's he's smoother, and Greg might be a little bit more explosive and crass. Um, but, yeah, he's been he's, he's had quite the eye-opening uh, performances through two games. I think at the very least we're looking at a 3 and D guy. And like you said, he's starting to show those little – when it comes of skill where he's, you know, one, two, dribble pull-up or that little uh, – he had a, another play today where he drove the lane and made a nice dump-off pass, I'm pretty sure. Um, so he's he flashes those little hints of skill where it's like oh man maybe if this guy can you know keep progressing and get better with the ball in his hands uh there's more there than just the three and d um did you do you kind of get the feeling that there might be more there as well yeah that that no look dime that yeah. he had that little dump off in the lane that kind of made me sit up in my chair a little bit like oh like i, yeah. I didn't know he he even had that in his game that he could recognize those quick reads because because that that wasn't like a set play on offense by any means. That was, he got the ball off a deflection and was able to, to make a quick move around the basket. And then he kind of flung that little no-look pass for, for, for the easy deuce. So yeah, that was really impressive. That certainly stood out to me. I agree. And when, when you were talking about how there are guys on this team that stand to gain the most from this G League experience, I think Todd has the most to gain because playing with, interior defenders like what we've already started to see a little bit from a Brandon Ashley like who we know Amir Johnson has been in the NBA for a long time like from what we even what we've seen from from Dante Hall a little bit protecting the rim like that's one of the areas that Todd needs to improve in the most because I don't think he's shown enough perimeter versatility to the point where like he's just gonna operate outside the arc all the time maybe you get him some get, get him cutting to the basket on some easy uh, move, moves off the ball. I, I think at some point you're going to have to see him 
be an interior player, particularly on defense, so you can take advantage of some of those things when it comes to his weak side shot blocking and the rim protection that he could offer in time. But learning those little nuances that some of these guys have, like, for example, like Amir Johnson, yeah, he he's added a lot to his body through all of these years. But, I mean, even, even through the early part of his career, like, he hasn't always been the biggest, strongest guy on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. He just had that nasty to him to the point where he didn't let anybody push him around. And we've seen enough examples from Todd today that that's something that he clearly needs to work on. Because some of these guys, particularly on Oklahoma City's team, that got him in like a one-on-one matchup in the post, like he he was pushed out of there pretty easily, and he was scored over. Yeah. And that that's something that, yeah, there's some physical concerns there, but there's also that that mental fortitude, that level of nastiness that Todd can definitely get more exposure to playing against somebody like Amir Johnson every single day in practice, and then in turn going up against some of this G League competition that he's going to face night in and night out. And that's not something that you always get better at when you're playing guys at the college level because somebody like Isaiah Todd is going to be in the top like one to 5% of athletes in the college game. But that's not necessarily the case in this G league bubble from a strength standpoint, he's going to be pushed around. He's going to have challenges from, from where we can see Greg Brown get like 10 or 11 rebounds in a game, despite some of his strength concerns. We're not going to see that from Isaiah Todd in this G league bubble a lot because of the competition he's going up against. So I think more than anyone else, he has a lot to gain. We can talk about Kai Soto and principal Singh at another time. They haven't really gotten the playing time through these first two games for us to go in depth on them. But from these four guys, I think Todd has the most to gain. Yeah, no, I could see, I could see that being the case. I'm not even sure if I said most of the game was, I'm not sure if most of the game was the phrase I used, but uh, that doesn't matter at this point. Uh, I agree with your point that, you know, him getting exposure to the things he's going to need to learn if he's going to be the best version of himself in the in the league uh, is, is great in terms of like the post type post up stuff on defense. Like, yeah, he needs that. And I think you want him to learn that as soon as possible, because you're talking about a guy who could realistically be capable of guarding, you know, two through five in the NBA and probably ones in a pinch with how well his feet move. Uh, and just how athletic he is and, and how well built he is. I think the body's going to get really, really nice, actually. And I don't think he'll lose a step at all. I think he's just, you know, he's that kind of special specimen uh, on the physical side of it. Um, but yeah, no, it's been quite a treat watching four new players um, fall into the first round discussion. Like I said, that doesn't happen very often this far away into the college season. And I'm excited fall, to keep... fall into the first round discussion. I think all four even Todd are now firmly in yeah. the first round discussion with yeah. how they played through these first two games. Yeah. Fall in as in like, we can actually talk about them because they're playing again. Excuse me. They were already, you know, two of them were already dead set in the first round and Dacian had a good, good chance. And Todd has definitely now made his case. Uh, so they're back at it tomorrow and we'll learn more. We'll learn more again. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we don't have this podcast up in time for the Saturday game, at 7 p.m. Eastern time, I apologize. We we work hard over here, but we wanted to at least wait and give you our first impressions on these first two games that we got exposure to. So we wanted to make this podcast about the G League Ignite team. We certainly did. We'll be back on track to, to finish up the big board next week, 26 through 30. We'll, we'll get into some interesting guys. Um, I think Nixon, and Todd, who knows? Maybe they're going to even come up again on next week's podcast. Um, but... That's going to be it for this week. Again, just wanted to be short and sweet. 
focused on these guys. So if you haven't followed us already, follow us on Twitter at Draft Deeper, like our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and stay subscribed to the podcast feeds. We got more content coming over these next few weeks that I'm really looking forward to, especially diving into some of these NBA rookies. I can't wait to do that one in a few weeks with you, Cole, and hopefully we'll have a a special guest on to maybe help us with some of that as well. So thank you everyone again for listening. Stay tuned. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week. 